I'm Chris. I'm John. I'm Gary Valentine's father. I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. It's Shakespeare, Chris. Give me a freaking minute. You can't rush the work. So sorry. And welcome to Media Eye. Welcome. Hey, John, it's been, okay, it's been what, three, two years, three uh, years? Uh, coming up on three years. I looked coming at when our last episode dropped. It was April of 2019. Wow. Yeah. Coming up on three years. Things have changed. Yeah. My hair is longer. I live in LA now. Yeah. You moved across the country. I I had a kid. You did. Wow. Okay. I was really focused on my hair. And the biggest change is the fact that you have a living child. Yeah. And that's true. Absolutely. And she she has hairs as well. Yeah. She's growing up. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Wait, So Chris, why are we doing this again? Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, I texted John and I said, Hey, I really miss doing media high. Do you want to do it again? And he said, no, screw you. And I said, okay, I hear you. But then I kept pestering him more and more. And finally he gave in. So here we are. (laughs) I thought, I thought in that totally made up second half of that scenario, you were going to say, so I created an AI of John's voice and that's what we're recording with (laughs) now. John, this isn't Roadrunner. What are you talking about? (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So, so we're back here to talk about media as we always did before. As we always did pre pandemic (laughs) pre it's true. Yeah. This show is completely pre pandemic and that's, that's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I, I texted John and I said, do you want to do the show again? And I I enthusiastically responded. Yes. Cause we have almost done this several times. We have almost restarted. It's true. And yeah. So John's first text back to me was in fact, in all caps, that period sounds period perfect with three exclamation points. There you go. Um, and so that was, you know, very, you know, very gratifying and endearing. And here we are. And we just want to talk about what we watched this month. That's specifically the, films, correct? Specifically films. Yeah. We're going to yeah. talk about uh, what did we experience in January? Uh, because we missed talking about media together. So here we are. John, can you just rattle off what your watch list is this month? Yes, I can. I, I watched... I'll say this. I watched more in January than I've watched in a long time. As I mentioned, I have a, at this point, almost six month old daughter, which has stolen a lot of time to watch things. But um, Mm. definitely in January, I got in a decent rhythm. Um, So in order in January, I watched The Lost Daughter, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, French Dispatch, Royal Tenenbaums. There's going to be a real Wes Anderson theme here. Amazing. Um, Royal Tenenbaums, uh, The Tender Bar, Being the Ricardos, The Life Aquatic, Moonrise Kingdom, The Prestige, Encanto, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza, The Tragedy of Macbeth, The House, and A Hero. Good God. Yeah. You... I, I, I... All right. That's great. I'm really excited I told to you, hear. I watched a lot of stuff. This is going to be a pretty one-sided conversation today. <laughs> no, this not month, at all. This month in January, I watched uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, mm. Licorice Pizza, Coda, Being the Ricardos, and The Power of the Dog. And that's it. Man. 
Only five. So what's your, no- how many did you watch? So I watched what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven films. Wow. Feels cool. like it was That's more. great. I really, I last year, I, I generally have a goal. The last couple of years, I've had a goal to watch a hundred movies in the year. Mm. Um, two years ago, I hit that. I watched like one or two. Last year, I watched like 96, so I didn't hit it. This good. year, my goal, my goal is a hundred again, but I had a rough start this month with five. Yeah, I, uh, so I, I lied. It's not 11. I watched more than that. It was just, I was looking at a different list, but. Last were year, you look, were you looking at Letterboxd? Well, I was looking at my Letterboxd, which only include it didn't include my rewatches, and there was a few rewatches yeah, on my got it. on my got list it. that I shared with you. But yeah. I don't, I don't think I have a list, and I should do this of all the total movies that I watched in twenty twenty one. Oh, uh, but I do all the new film, all the new twenty twenty one films I saw. I saw fifty five. Okay, which is a good number for me. Um, yeah. In terms of, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a list and I write down every movie and the date and my rank out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I saw it in a theater or not. And oh, then I also, good... I also write if it was, if it was a rewatch, I note that. So I think I watched something like 75 or 80 new movies last year, which is great. That's great. So this, this month you watched, a lot of movies. I did. And I'm I'm very impressed. Uh it, you watched The Lost Daughter first, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. How was that? So I it it's a slow burn for sure. Um, Feels like there are a lot of slow burns right now. A lot of slow burns, especially Netflix loving like a an awards yeah. bait slow burn movie between yeah. that and Power of the Dog. Um, yeah. but the the more that I sit with it, the more that I like The Lost Daughter. There's just, um, it's just an interesting film, almost exclusively surrounding women, almost exclusively surrounding mothers and the experience of motherhood. And it gives a very sort of nuanced, fully fleshed out experience of motherhood Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. highs and the lows, the difficulties, the generosity of motherhood and the selfishness that you desire. It's just Mm -hmm. very, very human in that way through multiple Mm -hmm. kind of perspectives. And again, as a new parent who is, you know, partnered to a new mom, I think I, I think I appreciated this film now way more than I would have even a year ago because of like a shifting perspective that I had. Mm. Yeah, and this this is Maggie Gyllenhaal's mm-hmm. debut, right? Her yeah. directorial debut. Yeah, it feels very um, with how patient the the film is and some of the storytelling choices within it. it it's a it's a time hop movie as well. Okay. Um, okay. It feels a lot of the directing feels super mature and super dialed in uh, in terms of of style and confidence of choice, which is cool. Was awesome to see, and I I will definitely. I'll, I'm adding Maggie Gyllenhaal to like my list of directors. When they make a movie, I'm going to see it. Oh, that's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what she does next. And I'm all, I'm, I'm excited to see lost daughter cause I haven't watched it yet. Um, the, I watched a video essay that, that talked a little bit about it, um, and mentioned like the intimacy of the cinematography. Yeah. Is that something that you notice while watching? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's just a lot of like, um, because it's a very intimate movie in that it is about the relationship between mothers and daughters. And it's also very isolating in that it's about mothers inside of their own head. So it feels like 
90% of the shots, it's like you are so close to someone you're seeing half of their face or you're really just seeing their ear or you're seeing a certain section of their leg. Um, and yeah, that it's, it's very, it's very affecting in that way and and very intimate. I I wouldn't have used that exact phrase, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. what do you think about Spider-Man? Oh man. You You didn't watch it this month, but we've both seen it. So if you are a media high lifer, if you've been around this podcast for a while, <laughs> you know that two and a half, almost three years ago when this podcast started, uh, Chris, huge Marvel, huge superhero yeah. movie fan. Me, not so much. Not at all. At not at point. all. Actually, I was actively yeah. against it. We and did a I, whole episode of where I just tried to you tried try to, to convince you. Yeah. Tried to convince me that it was worthwhile. And yeah. I'll have you know that over the course of the last three years, a lot has changed, as we said. And one oh. of those things that has changed is I am all in on the MCU now. Gosh, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, that's did, beautiful. Aaron and I, we did the full watch uh, over the course of the pandemic, you know, watched all the fil- watched every film, um, have watched every TV show up until this point. Um, we're all caught up and and deeply in. And so with that. I, I came in this year was really interesting because this is the first time that I saw Black Widow. I saw Shang-Chi. I saw Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home. I'm seeing these movies for the first time in the theater with a bunch of other people who are seeing them for the first time. This is kind of my first experience of that with the MCU. And by far, Spider-Man No Way Home was the like I've watched the YouTube videos of like end game audience reactions. Yeah. And a couple moments in Spider-Man no way home felt like that. And it was my first yeah. time being in the theater for those. So that was oh, super that's exciting. Really fun. Yeah. As a new that's Marvel so fan. Fun. Yeah. That's um, really, yeah. I mean, yeah, our, our theater, I saw it on new year's day and our theater like erupted every time. Like when we saw Toby for the first time, oh my gosh. We, when we saw Andrew for the first time, like the theater just went insane and it was, it, it was very fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so with of, yeah. that, with, with all of that, those, those big moments, I just think that with no way home, it was obviously, I think it was the Marvel movie that had maybe the highest expectations since Endgame. You for, know, you. Pe- pe- for you for you or for, for everyone i think for i think for the general population yeah, of MCU i think that's fans. right i think that's no right. one really knew yeah. what to think for the tv shows a lot of people had really low expectations of black widow no one was really sure what to think of shang chi or eternals or anything yeah. like that yeah. and so spider-man no way home it was like oh wow this character that we have a lot of attachment to that we spent a lot yeah. of time with this is kind of the climax of his trilogy and storyline what's going to happen, you know? And once again, I just feel like Marvel delivers on those expectations at a, at a rate that is so consistent. Um, it would have been really easy to, to let people down. And I just don't think this movie did. Yeah. That's the, like my whole thing with Marvel is just, it is so consistently, on par with itself 
Like it just, it just keeps hitting and is it hitting in like the perfect ways or is it hitting the most emotional beats every time? No, but that means when it does hit those emotional beats or it does hit like one step further, it's like, whoa, whoa, which for me, Spider-Man did like for me, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man hit in, in an, in an emotional way that I did not expect at all walking into the theater. Which no, was super fun, like so fun to experience that. Yeah, it was so fun. I, I I was thinking about where it falls for me in terms of kind of the 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 different categories and the hierarchy that I put Marvel movies in. And for me, it's in like it's in a second tier along with like Civil War and Ragnarok. And, sure. And like for me, there's yeah. there's that there's the end games and the Infinity Wars that that kind of occupy their own tier but there's that second tier of like the first guardians thor ragnarok yeah no way home that are like the the individual superhero movies that are the best and where where, no way home made its way in there for me easily yeah no i agree where does uh winter soldier fall for you is that tier one or tier two tier two tier two okay for me yeah yeah, I I just was curious. I think Winter Soldier might be my favorite Marvel movie. And so yeah, I, I mean, I like so for ask. me, the the example of that for me would be Black so Panther. That's an okay. individual movie that for me bumped. I bumped it into tier one because I loved yeah, it. Absolutely. It's my favorite, so I loved it's, it so much. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. Uh, okay, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Andrew Garfield is everywhere right now. He's having quite the year. He's he's going nuts. An actor that I have not traditionally loved, like. Yeah. Loved him in the social network and then just didn't really get it for a really long time after that. Okay. But yep. this year between this eyes of Tammy Faye, Spider-Man and tick, tick boom, he just like hit, yeah. hit, hit for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, in, he's incredible I, in the eyes of Tammy Faye. And so is Jessica Chastain. She's my I best actress. Seen, I haven't seen it yet. And I, I, like I said, I've just been really light on watching so far this year and seeing your list is making me really need to get back onto the train. He was, he was also in mainstream at the end of 2020 because I'm looking at his IMDb and it's like he did, he did three movies in 2021, which is eyes of Tammy Faye, Spider-Man, tick, tick, boom. Uh, and then he did mainstream in 2020. And before that he hadn't done anything for two years, Yeah, which is, yeah, he took some time which is away. Wild. Like mm-hmm. he really, he did Hacksaw Ridge in 2016. He did a few things in 2017 and then that was it. And he just, he was gone. And now I feel like suddenly he's just back, which is really fun to see. Yeah, my guy is back with a vengeance. I I, I shouldn't say my guy. He was not my guy until I saw those three movies. Speaking speaking of back with a vengeance, Robert Pattinson is suddenly back with a vengeance as well. With Batman dropping in a few days, he's incredible. I love him. Yeah, and and he's another he's another one who just like came out of research like resurged out of nowhere. Is resurged a word? I don't know if resurged is a word, right? He had a resurgence, resurgence. right? He had a resurgence, but I just wonder if the verb is, is allowed. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not (laughs) sure if it is or if it isn't. Um, what's another movie that we share? Licorice pizza. Oh gosh. We texted about this film a lot. We texted. Yeah. I texted this immediately outside the theater. I texted John. All right. So we did Spider-Man without any spoilers. I think we're probably, we should have done this at the top, but like, we're going to this, we're going to do spoilers, right? Don't listen. 
if you haven't don't, seen yeah so don't, just get out get out of here you know get out of here you little rascal <laughs> <laughs> you like that yeah, I, I did okay so <laughs> tell, tell me about licorice pizza tell me about your experience of it you were not I, as warm on it as i was no no i was i i went and saw it alone in the theater um and I was uncomfortable a lot of the time. Like that was, mm. that was my feeling for much of the movie. I, I just could not, for the most part, I could not get around the age difference. I thought it was, it made me really uncomfortable. I just thought it was so, so weird. Mm. I think that this movie does a lot of things well. I also think that like the, the, the racist jokes that everybody's talking about plays into my dislike of this movie too. Mm. Uh, cause I just thought it was pretty unnecessary and mm. just very out of the blue. Um, but the age difference for me was, was very strange and I, it was hard to grapple with while watching. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's kind of, for me, this film, it was like a, if it didn't have a few of those things that you mentioned, it probably would have been my favorite movie of the year because, wow. b- because there's just so much that I deeply resonated with about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically with the character of, of Gary Valentine and this, this kid who is, you know, in certain ways kind of mature beyond his years has mm-hmm. some uh, very adult tendencies and is treated as an adult in certain ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very clear that he kind of like runs his own life in a lot of ways. Empire. Or, <laughs> and he runs his own empire. He's very driven. Um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the adults he speaks to in the movie speak to him as an adult and treat him as an adult, right. which right. when I was a kid, I, and I was like Gary's age. That was true for me. I looked like yeah. he does. I looked older than I was. I had a lot of adults in my life who treated me as though I was an adult to a certain point though, you know, yeah. it was like, you're an adult, you're an adult, you're an adult. And when it was convenient or at certain times, like it is for Gary in this film, all of a sudden he's a teenager, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. she starts treating him like he's a kid. Uh, and so yeah. that, that whole feeling of being this like kid who feels like he should be an adult, but isn't treated that way was something I deeply resonated with and vice versa with the Alana character. Her, she's the exact opposite. She is an yeah. adult, but is living as this, you know, is just caught in like this teenage mindset and teenage way of doing things. So I, right. in that aspect, I thought their relationship was so wonderful and so, you know, sweet in certain ways. And then, yeah, when, when they, you know, my biggest issue with it is just the ending. It's literally the last 30 seconds of yeah, right. this fairy tale again, spoiler fairy tale ending where we're going to end up together and be together. And I love you, Gary. And the final line is I love you, Gary. And it's just like (laughs) my, my biggest, my biggest complaint is, which is what we've already talked about this, but like the, the lack of, for me watching it, what felt like the lack of change or development in Mm -hmm. either of their, of their characters, because he started as like, to put it in the most maybe derogatory or basic terms, he started as like a, a quote unquote powerful man. And she started as a quote unquote woman who was drawn to powerful men. And yeah. that's like, 
not a great way to put it, but that's what my experience was going in. And then they ended the movie in the same exact place. He was a powerful man. She was a woman who was drawn to a powerful man. And that's, that's all it was. And so it's like, what are we supposed to take away? Is this, is this supposed to just be a snapshot of, of these characters, of this moment in their life, of this unknown amount of time that we are with them? Like, what was it? Mm. Is it just about the energy of youth? Is it about running? Because there was a lot of running <laughs> in this movie. We'll get to that in this podcast, yeah. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just walked away confused at what I, I, what I was supposed to take away. Yeah, it feels almost like a selective focus movie. It's like you could... Mm. I think a lot of people could really love the movie if you just choose not to focus on focus on certain aspects of it. Sure. Or you could really, really hate the movie if you choose to focus on certain aspects of it, whether it's the racist aspects, whether it's the age difference aspects, whether it's even just the gender dynamics that you were just mentioning aspect. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. if you want to focus on those things, which people are more than welcome to, and maybe should a little bit more than maybe I am, then it's a movie. It's just going to like, I think people are very polarized by the movie in that way. Um, yeah. which is true. I think with a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies, however, it just, yeah. it feels like this is one of the least clear that he's done in a while in terms of yeah. what it's really about or what it's really trying to say other than like, I grew up in the Valley in the seventies and I, and I loved it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, And I love, right. I freaking loved it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get, so I gave this movie three stars on Letterboxd. I said my, my review was, I see it, I hear it, I get it, but it's not for me. And I think that that pretty well encapsulates my feelings. Like I understand all that people love about this mm-hmm. movie. It's beautiful. I get it. It's just, it's not for me. And that's, yeah. that's okay. What's yeah. your favorite on your list from January? I'm curious. Yeah. That's hard. That's that's hard. Uh, what is my favorite, or what do I think is the best movie? Either one. Dealer's <laughs> choice. Um, I really, I really enjoyed Spider Man No Way Home. I thought it was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the movie that had the most, like, just impact was probably Coda. Mm, I haven't but, seen Coda but, yet. Okay, this and I know it's been a, out I'm a freaking gonna, year, but I haven't taken yeah. the time to log into Apple TV and watch it. I know, and that's and that's why Apple TV keeps running ads for it is because nobody watches it. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a roller coaster. So I, I'm not going to say a ton about it um, because you haven't seen it. The, what I will say is that when it hits, it like hits so hard and it's mm. so good. And then when it doesn't hit, it it's like okay, this yeah. is. This is fine. Uh, Kodo is a blast. The power of the dog is is tough one. Is a tough one. And it and you didn't watch that this month, right? You watched that. No, last yeah, month? we. But I, I watched it. Um, when, right, like, right when it came out. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen the power of the dog, uh, again, it's the it's the slowest. <laughs> it's the slowest burn maybe I've ever seen. Uh, and it's, and again, these are spoilers. This is going to be a spoiler. The, 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 the entire movie is 
just one big setup for the literal last two minutes of the movie. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And those last two minutes are like so good. Yeah. They're pre- I, I found it to be pretty affecting. Aaron hated this movie with yeah. a passion. Um, sure. And she felt very ahead of it the whole time. Did you feel that way? Did no, you feel like you no. saw everything coming? I didn't either. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I did not know what was going on. I was, I was just like, why is this movie so long? Uh, I, I really didn't know. I really, it was really surprising to me. Yeah. I, I, I felt the same way. I, my, I, yeah, I'm, I'm of multiple minds about this film. I, I felt very much like you did about licorice pizza. Like I see it. I, I get it. I, I understand yeah. it, but certain aspects of it are just not for me. Like I recognize it's not for me. I recognize why Jane Campion, I think rightfully so is a favorite to win best director because there's some masterful stuff that she's doing in this movie in terms of storytelling, in terms of framing and all the directorial choices. Um, I'm just not sure. First, I'm not sure I really like needed that story in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it, it was almost like when I walked out of Joker, I was like, what is this adding to mm-hmm. to to the world more specifically in that movie? Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's like, what is this adding to me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like as a, angry as I felt after Joker. Yes. But I def- yeah. but I had a similar thing of I, I was like, oh, why? You know, yeah. I didn't really recognize. And I just I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's fantastic. This is not the one for him for me. Whoa, that's a hot take. That's surprising to hear. The least believable thing in the world to me this year was that Benedict Cumberbatch, the most British looking man I've ever seen in my life, is a Montana rancher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's a fantastic actor, so he pulls it yeah, off to a certain degree. He did. But there yeah. was part of me who was like, why are we choosing the guy that sure. could not look more British? When there's plenty of fantastic, more rugged, Western-looking American actors out there who could and maybe should have done this role, that that was my. That's true. I yeah, I didn't think about that watching it. Now that you say it, like it would have been. I I'd be really interested to see who else would play this because there are obviously so many. I feel like if this movie was made ten years ago, it would have been Matt Damon who played this. Yeah. And that that would have been really interesting. I don't want to see Matt Damon play this role, but no, it not now. I feel like it would have been interesting. <laughs> not and, now, never and, now. And, and uh, Ben Affleck would have played the, yes, the, the Jesse Plemons role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Just like Goodwill good. Hunting in the Big West. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Did you did you see the last duel? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's on HBO you Max now, it? so I, okay. I need to. Okay, I'm excited to talk about that when you watch it. Right now, let's talk about being the Ricardos because we did both watch that one. Oh boy! Oh, that's such a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good response. Um, do you oh. want to go first, or you want me to go first? Why the hell? Why did they put those stupid interviews in this movie? Uh, okay, I'm I'm glad we're starting here. That was like the first of many misses for me. I, the, so my, uh, my whole office was talking about this movie 
before I watched it. Um, so I knew that there were like interviews and all of them were speculating that they did the interviews after the movie. Um, because they like needed glue to, to put it together. Interesting. Like they, they, the, the movie was done and they were like, this is not, we were, this is not good or clear. And so they did the interviews because the interviews are so scripted. They're so, it's, so they are so scripted. And if you're going to use that as a storytelling device, you actually need yeah. more of it. Yeah. It felt like it only yeah. happened at, at the very beginning and then one or two other yeah. random spots in the film yeah, and so it just didn't feel fully committed to me. Yeah, it was, it was it it walked just the worst line mm-hmm. between not enough and too much. Yeah, because the fact that they were there at all was too much. It took me out of the movie so much every time we cut to because it's also like shot completely differently, lit completely differently. It just mm-hmm. feels so bizarre, uh, and then. And then we go back to the movie and then we don't see them again for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I was, that was the biggest miss for me. Like mm-hmm. if I wish that I could see the movie without the interviews with an, with a blank mind and see how I liked it. So, so would you say you enjoyed the movie outside of that? I would say I enjoyed the movie enough outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that it was great. I thought that I, w- I was like engaged, you know, I thought, mm. it, I thought it was fine. Like it was a fun, it was a fun look into like the show making process. There were pieces of it, pieces of it that hit pieces of it that didn't. But what was your experience outside of the interviews? Yeah. So I came into it obviously as a really big Sorkin fan. Right. Um, who and enjoyed, this is, and this is this, sorry, this is the third feature that he mm-hmm. has directed of his yes. own. And bit, so I came in, I was, I loved Molly's game, like still stand okay. for Molly's game. Think it's a, a very, very strong film. I enjoyed trial of the Chicago seven a little bit more than most people. Same. Um, and so I came into this with, with tempered expectations only because of the casting going in, going in, I was like, Nicole Kidman is Lucille ball. This is so like I get it both redheads fine but like other than that that's where the similarities stop for me sure sure physically age wise temperament wise whatever it might be and I felt similarly about Javier Bardem I was I just thought to mm-hmm. myself okay Javier Bardem is just this like his charisma his charisma is a dark charisma you know, in almost everything I see yeah. him in whereas Desi yeah, is true. just this like bright eyed bushy tailed you know, presence, at least in that show. And so I was was like, man, that's so curious. Um, And I felt the same way, maybe even more so leaving the film. I, I, right next to my least believable things in film of 2021, right next to Benedict Cumberbatch, the most British man in the world being a Montana rancher was (laughs) that Nicole Kidman quote knows comedy. Sure. Just because as an there are certain things that Nicole Kidman as an actress does very, very well. Yeah. Comedy is certainly not one of them. Sure. And so even though she's not playing Lucille Ball in a I Love Lucy episode for the majority of this. Yeah. She just like didn't work for me. Yeah. 
in, in a lot yeah, of ways. And that, and that makes total sense. I, I had, it sounds like much less connection to the source material because mm. I've seen, I love Lucy, but I've only seen like a couple episodes years ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I really had like no clear picture of what this was. So the comparison of these actors to this, to the originals, that didn't even, like that, that part of it didn't get in the way for me at all, mm. which I'm, which I'm thankful for because I think that that's the reason why I could enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like looking at pictures of Desi, it is surprising. The, who is the actor that played him again? Javier Bardem. Javier. Yes. And the way that you described him having dark energy is really true. And that's mm-hmm. how I experienced him throughout the movie. I just didn't know that that wasn't how I should ex- be experiencing him. Well, and maybe, um, maybe that's exactly how Sorkin wanted you to experience. Cause sure. obviously it's yeah. about who they are off of off screen and not on the show right. rather than who they right. are on it. And from a storytelling perspective, I, I, I wish it had been more about the process of creating the show. Sure. I didn't actually like the big conflict is the whole communism, you know, scandal. And I actually found that to be a total distraction to the thing that Sorkin loves to write about most. And that's people who are obsessive about a craft. And I I think that's when he's at his best, whether it's writing the social network and writing a Mark Zuckerberg scene or whether it's Molly's game talking about poker or whether it's, you know, a few good men or whatever it might be. It's or newsroom talking about or newsroom or West Wing. Like it's people who are obsessed about a craft doing their thing. That I think is when Sorkin writes his best. And so I, I longed for one, a different actress in, these scenes but two i long for more scenes like her like blocking around the table scene yeah yeah. i wanted more craft scenes and i was totally okay with letting it be a movie about this woman who was the star of the show but really was the showrunner and no one really knew it or gave her credit for what a genius she actually was because of Mm. the time we lived in or whatever it might be I, di- I just, yeah. as much as the communism thing was a true interesting tidbit, I didn't need it to be the center driving force of the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I didn't. And a lot of that, honestly, just like went over my head while I was watching. And that's why we have these conversations because <laughs> what a, what a fascinating, you know, thing to learn. And, and looking back, like you're so right. All of those points make perfect sense. And I agree wholeheartedly. And if I watch it again, I will now be looking at it with a much more critical eye, uh, which is fun, I suppose, or sad. Yeah, and I guess I get so way. fired up about it because <laughs> I get so fired up about it because Sorkin is a, a writer and to a degree a filmmaker that I really, really enjoy. And I want like the filmmakers that I love to be putting their energy towards things that I deem worthwhile, which is such a self-important thing to say. Yeah, you know? yeah. but it's true. Yeah, we want we want the artists that we follow to make good work in quotes and like, but that's just because we want to feel inspired by their work or yeah. like we want to feel good watching their work. Yeah. Um, all right, West Side Story. Can can you give me your thoughts? I watched this last month. So this is this is right now as it stands my favorite movie of 2021. Oh, and hello. I really didn't think it would be because if you talk about, you know, having an attachment to the source material, 
this is not only my favorite musical, this is one of like a, that the 1960s movie is like a top 15 film all time for me. I, I just love it. It was a formative part of my childhood and a formative part of my love for theater and musicals and everything. So walking in, I very much had the like, we don't need this. Yeah. Like you don't need to remake the Sistine Chapel. We, we yeah, don't need sure. someone to repaint it. It's fine as is. And especially yeah. because I saw it kind of late in its, in its theatrical release, I had heard a lot of positive feedback from people whose opinions I really trust when it comes, especially to musicals. Um, but man, from, from like moment one, I was in. Yeah. It yeah. is a visual My, masterpiece. The reimagination of the script and the story worked for me. The performances on down the line with a small exception for certain parts of Ansel Elgort's performance. But other than that, like mm. pretty pristine. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. I think yeah. we're, we're just in agreement on this. I thought it was a, I just thought it was so beautiful. I just wept in the theater and I had an incredible time weeping in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of my thoughts on West Side Story. Like it just, I audibly I just gasped. had an awesome time. I audibly gasped several times when I saw certain shots. Yeah. yeah. You know? I know. Just, and not even the action in the shots, just the shot. No, just the under the, the bleachers shot. presentation. At the dance. Oh my gosh. That was, okay. That was that the dance under the bleachers was the first moment of the movie that I almost cried. That, Mm -hmm. that dance was, is one of the most, and I, and I know that that I think is the only piece of the, of the choreography that they kept, um, Mm. unchanged. And it was just so beautiful and enchanting. And I'm so glad that in the, the album, the school, like on, on to stream the album, when you listen to that song, they keep in all of the dialogue do they? throughout. And That's it's right. really, it's quite beautiful. Well, it's cause really, the Tony really... Kushner rewrite of the, of the book is so great. It's so good. Like just, it's just so good. Really fleshes out the, the Tony character in a, in a really yes. beautiful way. Like Tony yes. and Bernardo, I feel like get the most, um, updating and it works. Yeah. 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 And Chino changes a lot too. Oh, Chino. Right? Like the, other than, yes, yeah. Chino probably is the character that gets the most cause he actually becomes yeah. a legitimate character in right. this. Yeah, I just thought it was so well done and I'm glad they kept everything in. Like they kept all the yeah. all of the songs in and yeah, it was just great. It was really mm-hmm. great. Um what what did you think of Encanto? I haven't seen it yet. Oh gosh, Encanto. Um well actually we'll talk about that when I get to my superlatives because I have an Encanto okay, superlative. Great. Okay, that what will did you what did speak you... to my thoughts on the film? Amazing. What did you think of Macbeth? So probably my second favorite movie I've seen this year. Maybe of I'm just the a theater, still a theater kid at heart. And so just show, all me, are. show me Stephen Sondheim and Leonard Bernstein and show me William Shakespeare and I'm set. <laughs> right. um, yeah. I, I, I mean, other than West Side Story, this to me was the, and Dune, this to me was like the most oh. visibly striking movie of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the production design of this film is is really, it's taking big swings and, for the 
vast majority of them, they land so well. Um, the cast is incredible. I thought it was really, I did not know going in that like, they're just doing Macbeth. Like there's no, yeah. it's not like Joel. It's not the like Cohen brothers, modern day, you know, rewrite of Macbeth. It's, it's, it's just, just a Macbeth. It, it's just a cut of the Shakespearean text Amazing. through and through. Amazing. Um, and I think a really good cut. And then they were just really smart in the casting to put with Danzel and Francis McDormand, both like, good solid movie star and Shakespearean actors in their own right. But then they surround them with real Shakespeare people. Amazing. And so the text just like flies off the screen and amazing. Yeah. I I just, I loved it. Great. I can't wait to see it. I'm very excited. Uh, (laughs) I, because you mentioned it, I just want to talk about it for a minute before we get into our superlatives. Uh, Dune just, (laughs) I, I can't stop thinking about the fact that I'm not going to see it in theaters again. We would have done a whole two hour podcast on Dune. We would have been happening. (laughs) Just the fact that I can't go back and see it in theaters is heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. I want to see re-release it so bad. When part two comes out, they should re-release part oh, one. They probably will. That's a great call. They probably will. Yeah. Uh, and probably like with an extra scene or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was so, I walked out. It's crazy because I walked out of the theater the first time I saw it. I saw it in IMAX alone. Um, and I walked out and I was like, first of all, holy shit, that was like a dream that I, <laughs> I'm walking out of a dream and I don't know what this world around me is. What is this AMC theater? So that was my first reaction. My second reaction was actually, I don't know about that. I don't know if, if that did it for me because it felt like there, it was missing so much heart. Um, but then I watched it a second time at my house <laughs> and I just... It was, I was just blown away, mm-hmm. I think. And now I can't stop thinking about it. It's yeah. just so good. It definitely rewards a rewatch. Yes. It's a movie that yes. rewards a rewatch because it, it is, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, the first watch, it's just a different movie than I was expecting. It's, yes. it's not Star Wars, you know, in terms of the no, way it's paced it's, or even it the, takes I knew the story time. wasn't. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is way more measured and paced out. And I think I because I and I should have been expecting that because it's a Denis Villeneuve film, you know, um, and his films always are. But yeah. upon rewatch, when I went in expecting that, that's uh, when I was able to really just be like captured by a lot of the genius of it. Yeah, I just like I just soaked into it like that pool of tar you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) i was scars guard coming out of the black pit afterwards oh that's good and i i am excited to read dune um but i cannot read dune for another two years because i i don't read the book until after i've seen the movie and that's my rule because great rule i I don't want to ruin it for myself yeah, we talked about that rule. All right, let's get into our, this is a new thing. We're going to do superlatives, yes. uh, which are just like fun, you know, whatever. We'll just get into it. Can you give us your first superlative of the week? Yeah, because this will bring us to the, the question you asked before. So my most watched movie by people who don't watch movies goes to Encanto. 
Yeah. Okay. Here's why. You know, people in my life, not everyone in my life watches movies all the time, which is why I'm so glad that we can have these conversations because you and I are like a dying breed of people that really care about movies. Um, But a lot of people in my life know that I love movies. And so when they even if they're not movie people, when they see a movie that they love, they come to me and they say, John, have you seen this? It's like that point of contact, you know? Um, And I can't tell you how many people after the new year came to me and were like, have you seen Encanto? These are not necessarily movie people. They're just people who watched it with their kids or who, you know, ran into it on Disney plus or heard the songs on TikTok and decided to finally watch the, you know, the film. And so I, people were talking about Encanto like it was Citizen Kane. Like it was the greatest, (laughs) it was the Godfather, you know, it was the greatest (laughs) film that has ever been made. Yeah. And so I went into it being like, okay, interesting, interesting. And I found it to be an utterly like fine movie. There were certain aspects of it and certain themes and some of the animation that I just thought was really fantastic. But Mm -hmm. then for everything else, I was just like, this is fine. Uh, And then I realized like, oh, no offense to people who loved it. People who only watch two movies a year deserve to enjoy the two movies that they watch. <laughs> sure. But I was like, Oh, yeah. most of the people that are telling me that it's the best movie they saw all year. H- haven't seen a movie since 2012. Exactly. <laughs> and so my most watched movie by people who don't watch movies is Encanto. <laughs> that's a great, that's great superlative. Uh, I still have yet to watch it. I'm excited to watch it. Um, and I will, I'll probably update you potentially on this show when I do. Please. Um, What's your first superlative? Fr- yeah, mine is most surprising face to cry at in a theater. Uh, and this goes to Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I love for that. Spider-Man, for Spider-Man No Way Home because that was the moment that broke me in the movie was when, you know, when Tom is going at Goblin with mm. the, the spiky thing yeah. with the glider and then Toby shows up yeah. and puts and stops him and his face is so old yes. <laughs> but also so genuine. He's seen, like, he's like, seen it. He knows. It's, it really, it's like in that moment it broke me because I was like, wow, this is really powerful because he has been through quite literally the exact scenario and did not have somebody there to stop him. Mm. And it broke him. And it was a really shockingly beautiful and poignant moment for me. Um, And I was like, wow, this is, this is what superheroes movies can do at their best is they can point to truths in humanity, but in just superhero. But by using overlapping metaverse timelines. Yes, but by using the metaverse and by using super strength and by using the the glider of Willem Dafoe. Uh, so that's my first superlative. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak in here another one. Another yes. point is the fact that Willem Dafoe was maybe the best part of that movie for me because when he said uh, Dr. Osborne is gone, honey, that <sighs> line blew <laughs> me away. When he flips, wait, what's the line? He go, it's like is out of office or something. Oh, I don't remember the exact line, but it was incredible. He flips, and the whole theater just like lost. Everyone's collective buttholes just like tightened. Yeah, like it's about that's a meta. That's a visual right there. Yeah, that's a visual you put in my mind. All right, what's your second superlative? Um, yes, my second superlative. 
uh, comes from another movie we've talked about you haven't seen, but most aspirational old man aesthetic goes to Ed Harris in The Lost Daughter. So Ed Harris is one of three male characters, maybe four male characters in The Lost Daughter, um, probably the one with the most screen time. And he just essentially... Olivia Coleman in the film, she's on a holiday, she's on vacation, and mm-hmm. this like Airbnb ish that she's staying at has like a host played by Ed Harris, who I haven't yeah. seen in a movie in a little while. Ed Harris is looking very old and very, very good. He he like carries her luggage up, and it's clear he's like this grizzled man in his eighties, but he is fit as hell, and his like whole aesthetic in it is like these really wonderfully fitting jeans, this Oxford oh, shirt and a sail, yeah. like a, like a fisherman beanie. A and cap, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to look like when I'm 85. I'm it. Oh, that's good. You see him. I'm, I'm looking up images. If right you now. haven't looked it up and you're listening to this, look up Ed Harris, the lost daughter and tell me that's not an 85 oh, year old man that you good. would want to be or AKA date or have sex with. Right. Right. Because here's the thing. The, the, the the drawback for Ed is the lack of hair on the top of his head. Yes. And so that's hard to get around. But when you cover it up with like a fun little old man's fisherman cap, yeah. that things are happening here. He things are really great. moving. He does. My, my <laughs> I'm gonna counter with this. My it's not old man, but my aspirational like forty five year old wardrobe is Oscar Isaac in scenes from a marriage. Oh, have have you seen pictures of him? I haven't. Okay. I'm I'm going to need you to look up a picture of Oscar Isaac scenes from a marriage because it's, it's shocking. He plays a professor of psycho of, Oh, what is it? Philosophy. And it's incredible. All right. Hold please. Uh Uh-huh. Are you seeing it? Oh Yeah. Are you are you enthralled? I I am. I mean, yeah the the wire frames, yeah the beard with the dis- the the wonderfully disheveled but put together hair. It's incredible. The like two big sweaters. Yes. Oh, it's just this it's giant just Henley I'm looking at right now. I know. I know. Also, can we talk about Oscar Isaac having a moment as well? Because scenes from marriage is, is I've only watched the first episode, but I've heard it's really good. Uh, Dune was incredible. Obviously he was fantastic in that. Mm. He's, he's great. I'm loving him right now. I mean, he's yeah, he doesn't really miss for me. No Oscar's hot right now. Yeah. So hot. (laughs) All right. My, my next hypothetical, uh, it's something we already covered. It's just the slowest burn of all time and that's power of the dog. Um, I, I'm going to add one more word, though. It's the slowest and most sensual burn of oh, all wow. time, which is not what I was expecting this movie to be at all. Mm-hmm. I did not expect as much sexual tension as, as there was, at least for me. Did you experience that, too? I, I did. It is a deeply like sensual, sexual film. Even erotic, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, like and, the... I didn't know that's what it was going to be. I, I had yeah. very little idea of what the movie was yeah, um, going into it. But yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to describe not just not just the final, you know, third of the film as as that kind of focal relationship gets developed between right. the two of them, right. but like the whole thing. 
the whole thing is like, yeah, it, it, that's what I felt the whole, the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, what's your, what's your next one? My final superlative is best jog. And it goes to Cooper Hoffman and licorice pizza. <laughs> the kid, as you mentioned earlier, both of those oh, characters spend half the movie running, but Cooper Hoffman has a great jog. He does like a he great gait. I'm watching it yeah. and he's like a bit, you know, heavier set, but I'm like, this kid is yeah. an athlete. Yeah. He, he looks like hole. a, he looks like a linebacker out there. He does. He does. Great Let's job. Also just, can we talk about Cooper Hoffman and Alana Heim? Just like both in their first real roles and just absolutely slaughtering slaughtering. They were so good. Just regard how uncomfortable I felt. Yeah. Their performances were unbelievable. Yeah. That's undeniable. It was just so fun. And the balls on, on PTA to be like, Hey, I'm going to entrust this entire film to two people that I've never seen actually yeah. act in an entire Literally. film before. Like it was just, it was just incredible. I, yeah. I also seeing like the rest of the Heim sisters in the house was so funny. That's to her me. whole family. Those are her actual yeah. parents too. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's very fun. That's Super fun. yeah. Very fun. My last, my last, uh, superlative is most likely to be a Disney film. That's not a Disney film. Mm. And that's Coda because this oh. thing watching through it, it felt like it was just the more grounded, more mature version of high school musical in a lot of ways. Interesting. Um, I've heard that about it. Yeah. And so I'm excited for, to get your take on it when you watch, because the whole way through, I was like, I, I would think that this is a Disney movie and then the parents would make like a sexual joke and I was like, oh, no, oh, this no, isn't Disney. Not. I forget. I keep forgetting. It's like what Disney kind of keeps trying to do with some of their live action adaptation of the animated, yeah. but they never go all the way in on it. No, they and they can't. And you and get Mulan. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> and you get the trash fire that is Mulan yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised too. like those moments were a little bit jarring for me actually watching mm -hmm. Coda because it goes so light. Sometimes it goes so like family friendly that I, I think that the tone, like they had some, the, some tone continuity issues for yeah. me. Um, but that is my, that's my last superlative of the Strong. day. Strong. Yeah. All right, are we moving to some other... We've talked a lot about movies. Are we moving yeah. to some other media that you've taken in this month? Do you have a few yeah, highlights? Think, yeah, let's just hit some a few bullet points uh, before we wrap up here. First of all, this isn't like media, I guess, in the traditional sense, but Wordle, are you playing? I started. Thanks. You okay. were the first person that put Wordle thanks to the magpie. Everyone subscribe. Yes. yes. Um, you were the first person that put Wordle sort of in my my universe okay. and my sort of attention. And then I yeah. just started to see it everywhere. everywhere. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I got to start playing. So yeah, I've, I've been playing the last like 10 to 12 days or something. Incredible. It's Incredible. so fun. It's so good. If you don't know, just Google Wordle W O R D L E. Uh, it's just, a, a word game just got bought by the New York Times game division will still be free to play every day. Uh, it's two and a half million daily players, which is just, it was created by a guy for his wife uh, independently launched in October. It's just a super, super yeah. great story. It's like, really H, fun. you remember HQ? Yes. It's like it's HQ the, for crossword fans. Yeah. It's the of. more like grounded, <laughs> endearing, simple version of HQ trivia yeah. in the, in the like cultural impact way. Yes. Uh, what about you? 
Um, for me, it's it's a TV show. We balance our time in this house between TV and movies. Aaron prefers TV. I usually prefer movies. But we finished Station Eleven this week. Okay. Have you watched Station Eleven yet? No, I have not. Chris, you especially absolutely must. Okay. It is not a perfect show, but it is one of my favorite shows I've watched in a long time because amazing because it is just utterly doing something totally different. I put this on my Instagram story, but like fans of Lost or The Leftovers will really identify with Station Eleven specifically because okay. it is it's like that very odd, strange storytelling style, but specifically about artists and about yeah. creativity and about making things and about the utility of creativity, especially when the world is falling apart. And wow. it, it has yeah. it has also my all-time one of my all-time favorite tv show relationships um that i've ever watched um yeah it's it's quite beautiful and i was that's amazing deeply moved by it i haven't heard anything of i've seen it on hbo but i haven't heard anything about it so this is an amazing recommendation thank you yeah you should watch it prepare for strangeness but it's okay yeah. All right. All right. Um, my, my next one is an episode of Dear Hank and John, which is a podcast by John and Hank Green. It's episode 316. Uh, it's a no cut special. Usually they edit their podcast down. It's just like a and a with John and Hank. They're brothers, they're media people. They're super fun to listen to. I just had a blast. It's really, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah. You've been in the, the green universe for a while. Yeah. And I'm just going deeper into it. Uh, I'm just going deeper. I th we're hopefully going to interview Hank Green at some point this year in Missoula oh, wow. with my work. Uh, so that'll be exciting if it happens. That'll be very cool. Yeah. Um, my next one is one I just found last week. Um, and mm -hmm. I have been a fan of this artist for a while and have never actually known how to say her name. Um, I'm not sure if it's Yeba or Yeba. Do you know? Oh, Yeba. Yeah. Yeb it's yeah, Yeba. 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 Have you listened to Yeba. her live at Electric Lady <laughs> album? No, she has wait, a new wait, album. Wait, yes, I have, I have, and it's so good. It's so good, man. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. She is, she is. I think a lot of people became aware of her when she had that collab with Ed Sheeran. Um, yes, the best part of me. Yeah, but man, her her voice is. I could listen to it all day, every day, and her live. At She's Electric unbelievable. Albums, EP is great. Yeah, I I discovered her just I think last year uh, from a friend of mine showing me Evergreen, um, mm. and yeah, she's incredible. Her voice is is unbelievable. Uh, my last my last uh, pick of the day in terms of um, other media uh, is an artist who is from the uh, 1810s. His name is Casper David Friedrich. So we're going deep here. Um, Maybe that's who I'll your movie is going to be about. Maybe. Oh, that's Set very cool. Turn of the I'll, century. I'll Come relate on. it back to. <laughs> Can you imagine a biopic on just a random painter that people don't really know? <laughs> I'd watch it. That sounds great. Uh, I found this painter though through a YouTube channel called The Nerd Writer, um, mm. who does really beautiful video essays. Has been around for a long time. Has a book coming out soon, actually, which is super cool. Um, has a book of essays, uh, but this video that he did. 
and then the work that he was pointing to uh, was really beautiful and has inspired me a lot this this month in my illustrations and what I've been thinking about creatively. So that's been great. What's your, do you have one more? Yeah, I do have one more. Um, it's not necessarily one that I found this month, but I found it a few months ago and it's just someone that continues to be a source of, of a different kind of inspiration and humor for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you introduced me to this. Do you follow Matt Shirley? I on don't. Instagram? So no. you absolutely need to. Um, it's an Instagram account from a guy named Matt Shirley. Um, his handle is at Matt Shirley, M-A-T-T-S-U-R-E-L-E-E. But he oh, is okay. he does a graph every single day. And it's like, I'll give you an example. Like, here's a bar, a line graph of the first day of a new job. And it charts things like coffee consumed bathroom breaks. Oh, that's awesome. And, or when I'm open to new ideas and it's a pie chart and and so they're all usually very humorous and they're, they essentially take either a feeling or a human experience and he creates a graph based off of that. That's Um, so fun. Oh my gosh. Wildly creative. Um, and so he does calendars, like a COVID work from home schedule, like realistic yeah. COVID work from home schedule. Yeah. Um, and he usually does one per day and they're just wonderful and amusing and inspiring. Cool. That's so fun. Matt, Matt Surely on Instagram. Yep. Beautiful. All right, John, before we sign off, I want to ask one more question. Is there anything you're looking forward to right now? Yeah, I have I have two. One you already mentioned, the Batman is coming out, directed by Matt Reeves, yep. starring Robert Pattinson. Yep. I think a lot of people are looking forward to this movie. I am very much looking forward to it um, for that three hour runtime. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, it's like <laughs> it's like I'm hoping it's like a good version of a Zack Snyder three hour. Yeah, you know? what's crazy is that you know I powered through Zack Snyder's four hours of Justice League, so Dang. it's I feel like I can do anything now. Oh yeah, this will be a shorty for you. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other one though is, uh, Oscar nominations come out. Um, yeah, they come out next week and I'm specifically excited this year because I've been watching a lot of the odds for, you know, favorites and what's going to get nominated or what's potentially going to win. And I just have, I have even more disagreement than I normally do. Um, so I'm excited to just rage against the nominations. Um, and even more excited, but I've noticed that in recent years, the Oscars taste and my taste have, have been ever increasingly, yeah, diverging. Um, but I, for some reason I can't quit them. I I just, yeah, we can't. Well, it's fun to rage. It's fun to rage against them. And it's also fun when they surprise you, you know, like two years ago was, was quite surprising with parasite. And that was, you know, that was really fun. Every now and then they throw you a bone and you're like, this is why I keep coming back. Right. Um, What about you? Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for Oscars as well. Um, I am really looking forward to a movie called Cyrano, which I'm assuming you've heard about. Um, it's, it's starring, um, Peter Dink, Peter Dinklage. And it's, uh, directed by the same director as Pride and Prejudice. It's a musical. It's a period piece. It, I'm just really excited. Like I think it's a lot of boxes for you. It checks a lot of boxes for me. Uh, I think it'll be a really fun time. I saw it, uh, the trailer for it when I watched West Side Story and I just like, have been very excited for it ever since it comes out this month. Um, 
And also I'm really excited to, I'm trying to remember the, the name. What is the picture that everybody thinks is going to win international best? It's called, isn't Drive it called the car? driver? Drive, Drive my, car. my car. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have not seen Drive My Car yet. It's based on a Mirakami short story. Um, and it is novel, three hours. <laughs> and it's three hours. And I'm very excited to watch. It's, I've heard it's great. And I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet yeah. either. I've, I have been making my way through a few of the potential nominees for foreign language um, yeah. and hoping to get, get to drive my car before, before it probably wins. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's it for us, right? The grand return. Man, this was such a blast. It's a gift to be able to talk to you in a structured way about this stuff again yeah. and not just over frantic texts back and Fran- forth like after we very, watch things. Very frantic. <laughs> very frantic. Uh, thank you for, thanks for talking, John. This is great. Thanks for listening, you guys. Have a good one. Have a good one.